Right, I fixed with a neutron for the path to be off for 15 minutes. Ready to link up? No, sir. Well, when will you be ready, for heaven's sake? About next Christmas, I shouldn't wonder. And a rough estimate, of course. Look, if you push 10,000 volts through this lash-up, you'll blow it anyway. Just do as you're told, Sergeant. The doctor knows what he's doing. Right, sir. Right, Jenkins. Have you got that junction box lined up? Do you know what you're doing? My dear chap, I can't wait to find out. Thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Mac. And I'm Caleb. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And today, we will be watching The Daemons. The Daemons. The Daemons. (laughs) It's just just more fun (laughs) to say it that way. The Daemons was written by, quote, Guy Leopold which was actually just a pseudonym for Robert Sloman and Barry Letts. It was directed by Christopher Barry and produced by Barry Letts. It aired May 22nd, 1971 to June 19th, 1971. As we said at the last episode, this is John Pertwee's uh, favorite episode. But as we've also established in a lot of previous stories, that means diddly jack shit. Yeah, actually, it's usually an indicator of like, oh, God, this episode's going to fucking blow. Oh, God, that means it appeals to British audiences. I'm screwed. Oh, it's going to be horrible. I don't, I genuinely don't know. I feel like I remember it being good. I also remember it being really fucking weird. (laughs) Okay, so last, last time I said that I was going to change my viewing habits so that I wasn't going to watch it all at once. I can't help it because I'm really excited to watch the episodes like every time. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is me bringing you along on a fantastical, exciting journey that I'm super passionate about it while you're kicking and screaming. That's what this podcast is. (laughs) I was going to say, dragging along is more accurate. (laughs) (laughs) And I also, just knowing how you usually predict episodes i feel like this might actually be i'm predicting your prediction and i'm like i feel like he might actually get this one (laughs) he might actually get it right we'll see we'll see what the prediction is uh when i think of it (laughs) well caleb i hate to tell you but it's about that time so given everything you know about doctor who and given the title of this episode the daemons what do you think this episode's gonna be about the Doctor, in his unrelenting quest to ignore the fucking law and the Time Lords in general, is trying to figure out how to make the TARDIS not go back to Earth. And in fiddling around with the engine, learns how it really works and accidentally opens a portal to hell. And uh, the demons come through. And he's got to solve it the only way demons know how. Doom music starts playing. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he's going to bust out a fiddle. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not that. I'm not that cultured. The the devil went down to Georgia, starts playing in the background, 
as it turns into that scene from the Doom movie where it just turns into first-person view. <laughs> yeah, it's the Devil Went Down to Georgia and it slowly transitions into that really heavy metal music that's the Doom soundtrack. Perfect. Perfect middle ground. It's the Guitar Hero 3 version of the Devil there Went Down you go. to Georgia. Perfect. Which is honestly the best version of that song. Let's be perfectly honest here. Agreed. <laughs> On that note, we will see you all in the future. Let's get going. That's my demon sound. I was going to say, those were the demons. <laughs> those were the demons. And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was six days for us. Not even, a, like, we managed to do it in less than a week. Good job, us. Yeah. Let's see if we can do that twice in a row. <laughs> how, uh, it, really, it really depends on how long the next story is. Uh, you'll be happy to know, because I, I checked, the next one is a four-parter. Oh, thank God. We can do it within a week. <laughs> right? Great. So we were talking a little bit before we started recording, but uh, for the good folks at home, what'd you think of the demons? I really don't know. I feel very conflicted about this episode. Yeah, as we have, we have nine uh, stories in the third Doctor's Belt. It is right smack dab in the middle of my ranking right now. And as a result, it is both my fifth favorite and fifth worst uh, episode. <laughs> So um, I was kind of hoping that discussing it might help. The vibe I'm getting from this story is that it's going to be one of those episodes that will be moving around my ranking pretty much <laughs> the entire time <laughs> we're in the third Doctor. On paper, this seems like a recipe for success for me because it's basically like, hey, what if the Doctor did the Exorcist? <laughs> Cool. Even even opens very similarly to the film The Exorcist. Which I have not seen. The Exorcist opens with people at a dig site digging up a a little tomb, like there's like a little stone tablet of a demon that this mm -hmm. priest like recognizes as like a demon he's dealt with before. Hard cut to London. <laughs> hmm. Okay, so the movie's like a flashback? No, it that 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 oh that opening seems like a prologue to the movie because the demon he casts out is the demon he recognizes in the stone tablet at the dig site oh okay it's very similar in the setup to the barrow in episode one yeah so i was like when that opened i was like oh okay so we're doing the exorcist and then it just kind of i don't know it just kind of derailed from there as as the show does yeah i have a lot of mixed feelings about it i'm glad that this was the seasoned finale because i'm pretty sure this is the moment where i was just like Okay, okay, I'm done with the master now. We can yeah. we can move on to someone else, please. <laughs> yeah, agreed, agreed. I I said this off camera or off mic, but I I like the premise of the master, but boy has he outstayed his welcome. Yeah, I've said it before. The master is my favorite villain, and I still stand by that. But I don't think they handled his introduction well because by the end of this season, he feels like team rocket yeah no matter how crazy and convoluted his plans might be you know at the end of the story the doctor's gonna win and his egotism and um 
belief that he's inherently better than the doctor just rings more and more hollow with each passing story. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dude, I can point to several examples of you getting your ass handed to you. Why do you sincerely believe that you are the smartest of all of them? <laughs> and in half of those stories where you get beaten, you ask for the doctor's help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and in half of those stories, when you're pretending to be someone else, you use a name that is basically just the master. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect example. This fucking story. Perfect example. This fucking story. What a wonderful segue, Caleb. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll just dive right into it. So we've been talking for five minutes. I guess we should get to it. All right. Episode one. We open on some guy walking his dog in a town called Devil's End. And he falls over and dies after seeing something frightening. The local witch, Miss Olive Hawthorne, thinks he died of fright. Nearby, a TV crew preps for a live broadcast that night, where Professor Gilbert Horner will open a previously hidden barrow. At unit, the doctor scolds Joe for believing in magic. However, his mood quickly changes when he hears about the barrow in the TV broadcast and rushes off to the scene. As they head that way, Hawthorne tries to convince anyone to believe her claims that the barrow contains the devil. She wishes to see the new vicar, but she is turned away. The vicar is revealed to be the master. And finally, arriving at the barrow, the doctor interrupts the broadcast and tries to stop Horner from opening the barrow. However, he is too late and a gush of wind rushes out of the new hole, knocking the two men over. It also shakes the set around them and even the nearby town. The master laughs as he performs a ritual and the gargoyles seem to come to life. It was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I feel like that would not have been out of place at the very top of this because it was just <laughs> showing like nighttime an old church and just like lightning striking the background <laughs> and then they had to go and fucking kill the dog like what was that necessary did you have to kill the dude's dog before when i was younger i was really put off by animal violence in movies or like dogs dying for any reason in movies mm -hmm. and now i just don't care see normally i don't care but also like that seems it seemed unnecessary however I will tell you, nothing makes me laugh harder than, this is going to sound so bad, comedic dog deaths. <laughs> there, have you watched The Good Place? No. Okay. You specifically need to watch The Good Place. Anyway. I want to uh, go back and see how many times that exact phrase has been said on this podcast. <laughs> you, you fucking need to see The Good Place. But there, there's a it that i'm not going to ruin for you that involves a dog death that we had to pause it because i was laughing so uncontrollably hard and then also in the movie um everything everywhere all at once when the uh woman was like whipping her dog around on his leash to use as like a weapon that killed me <laughs> well that sounds great i just i just rented everything everywhere all at once <laughs> it is very good <laughs> I, I'm sold by the dog leash whipping around I, I feel like I didn't spoil anything for you because there's just so much to the movie that it's just one of many, many things. <laughs> I mean, look, the the movie's directed by the Turn Down for What guys. I'm not surprised that that's in the movie. <laughs> it Yeah, it feels like it. It feels like an extended <laughs> Turn Down for What music video. Anyway, <clears throat> back to Doctor Who. Back to Doctor Who. 
this episode reinforces one of the things I like about this doctor, which is what a smug douchebag he is. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, it literally just opens with uh, Joe being like, well, doctor, like, surely, like, there are some things that are beyond science, and that must be magic, right? And he's like, Joe, are you fucking stupid? No. He's just like, magic is just unexplained science. There's a point where he, like, automates Bessie to, like, go out into the parking lot and turn around and come back in and park and, like, honk the yeah. horn and everything. Yeah, and, and he, he's, he's like, Bessie, how dare you leave the garage without permission? Go to your parking spot. And then, and then <laughs> Bessie <laughs> goes over. And then uh, I think it's Yates comes in and he's like, well, I don't have any way to explain what I just saw. And the doctor's like, would you call it magic? And Yates was like, no. He's like, oh, well, Joe would. Joe Wood, the fucking idiot. <laughs> Doctor, you're being so relentless today. I kind of love it. He has that air of like a freshman in high school who just learned what atheism is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got that kind of vibe going for him right now. Joe says that she wants to go check out the the TV program uh, where they're going to be doing the talking about the uncovering over at Devil's End. And uh, Joe and Yates both walk off, and then the doctor starts going to his car, and Yates asks him where he's going. He's like, well, I'm going to go see the TV program, obviously. And I thought that was, like, cheekily implying that he was about to be going to Devil's End him itself instead of watching on TV. And then the next thing, you see the doctor, Joe, and Yates just going into a room to watch TV. <laughs> I was like, oh, you actually were just going to go watch TV. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, whatever. And then, then we go over to the village. The actress who played Miss Hawthorne bugged me because she looked so familiar. I was like, I swear I know her from somewhere. And I was like scrolling through her IMDb and I did not recognize anything she was in. I was like, I, I know you. I know your face. I don't know where, but I know you. And it's bugging the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah i have no idea i didn't recognize her i really loved how melodramatic she was yeah very much so it's perfect for it's perfect for the vibe this episode was giving it's like okay you're gonna be playing a british witch ah say no more say no more <laughs> <laughs> she has a moment i think it's in this episode where she's going to the police station to try and get them to stop the live broadcast or whatever Mm -hmm. uh, and it gets really windy, and she, like, raises her hands in the air and, like, does this, like, incantation to talk to the wind, and it, like, eases down. But the whole time, a cop is, like, sneaking up behind her to bash her head in with a rock. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot that's kind of unexplained, which I guess you could just say, it was the devil, and just brush that aside. But, like, what was up with the wind? Why did the cops temporarily get possessed to try and kill Hawthorne? I'm a little confused, I will admit. <laughs> was it really necessary to have the wind howling in all the dialogue in the outside scenes? That's my question. At one point, the Doctor and Joe are driving to Devil's End to uh, try and stop the dig. And um, the wind blew and like turned around one of the signs, like we're, on, we're in fucking Scooby-Doo. <laughs> and uh, they go in a wrong direction. So was the wind the devil? Does the master know? The master seems like he's kind of commanding the wind a little bit. Is he? Did he know that the doctor was on the way and that turning around that sign would work? I don't know. It just seemed like, well, they would obviously go to Devil's End immediately. But if they go to Devil's End immediately, 
the episode won't happen. So we need to do something to make sure that they don't get there right away. And we can't do something like just make the opening scene later in the day. Or have this incredibly fictional town of Devil's End just further away from London so it takes them all day to get there. No, 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 no. We can't do that. I also want to point out that the name on the other side on the sign it was some other town like satan's point or something yeah yeah something like that which i find hilarious i was like you know over here is devil's end over there is satan's point right here in, in the middle is uh de- the devil's taint <laughs> here's luciferville there's the devil's toes <laughs> what about beelzeburg oh you don't want to go to beelzeburg they're weird over there <laughs> <laughs> bunch of weirdos <laughs> And then, you know, Hawthorne goes to the church and tries to talk to the vicar, and then the vicar is turns out to be the master. Important note, they refer, this is a big plot point in episode two, they refer to the vicar as the magister, which translates to the master. Yes. <laughs> again, god damn it, this is Colonel <laughs> Masters all over again. I don't, <laughs> pick a different name, <laughs> fucking Kevin, there you go. Father Kevin, that's your new name. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I choose to believe that the master is just so unfamiliar with earth culture. He genuinely does not know what would be considered a regular name at this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's the only way I could buy it. He's unfamiliar with the planet, wants to rule it. <laughs> My name is Father Z... <laughs> oh, was that not a real name? Okay, uh... You can just call me the Master Father. (laughs) You can just call me the Master Father. Master Father, please, please, please. Call me the Master. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, he's pretending to be a Catholic priest, which makes him just slightly less evil than an actual Catholic priest. Then when he tries to control Hawthorne and it doesn't work, she walks away and then he just like, angrily looks after her and just like snaps his finger and uh, points and one of the other priests like goes after her but he doesn't just go after her he like crouches down into like a goblin pose and then like (laughs) (laughs) like sneaks over like he's playing fucking skyrim and as long as he's as long as he's closer to the ground no one can see me (laughs) (laughs) a moment that i did really really like was um the doctor and Joe finally get to Devil's End, and they go into the pub to try and ask for directions over to the Barrow. It does not take long for the doctor to just get on everybody's shit list in that bar. He is like he is a second away from starting a bar fight because he will not stop being so indignant towards everyone and these country bumpkins. And a moment that I really like is that Joe basically just like. Puts her hand, puts her hand up, like, on the doctor, and just like, just shut up for five seconds, and then <laughs> calmly and politely asks for directions, and then they give it to her, and she's like, "Thank you." <laughs> the doctor just throws open the door, and is like, "You're all idiots, and your religion is a lie. <laughs> you're all idiots, but you're good for one thing, and that's directions. Now give it to me." <laughs> I mean, I know the episode is called the Diamonds, but. It just feels like such a fucking swerve to the right when all of a sudden the master is, like, doing this satanic ritual to summon a (laughs) demon from hell. (laughs) 
the doctor said, I think it's in the next episode he says this, but uh, he kind of writes off all the, like, the weird occult stylings of everything as, like, wow, like, it's it's the Damon science. It just looks like magic. I was like, no, it looks like magic. Yeah, there are so many scenes in which the doctor is just arguing semantics. Yeah. <laughs> if it looks like magic, talks like magic, and walks like magic, but you call it, no, it's somebody else's science. Well, fine. But, <laughs> but spoiler, the the master literally tries to kill a chicken at the end of one of the episodes. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's straight up doing, like, a ritual. Yeah, he's, like, a ritualistic sacrifice uh, and, like, doing magic chants. By the way, I was going to save this for trivia, but it's too good. Do you want to know what the what he was chanting? What? Mary had a little lamb backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. They were going to do the Lord's Prayer backwards, but uh, the BBC higher-ups are like, no, no, you gotta, you gotta tone it down, pull it back. <laughs> <laughs> There's one point, again, not in this episode, where the Doctor refers to the devil as mythological, which is true, but I felt like in the 70s might have pissed people off. That, that would have definitely been the case in this country. I don't know how open to that people They had to do with. a lot of toe-stepping around a lot of subjects and being very careful how they worded specific parts during this script because you are correct not only would it not be received well some of it's just straight up illegal (laughs) so (laughs) they had to be very careful (laughs) the devil wasn't real and the queen is a whore uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to trivia. But uh, I'm I'm done with episode one, if you were. Yep, me too. On to episode two. Yates and Benton, back at unit, switch to the live broadcast, only to see Joe crying over the Doctor's unconscious body. The Master speaks with a being known as Azel, and agrees to meet him later at the Barrow. The Doctor is seemingly dead, but he is apparently just unconscious. Benton and Yates tell Joe they will arrive by helicopter the next morning. A baker falls out of his car after a loud noise disorients him, and his car explodes on the road for some unknown reason. Everyone is questioning the strange circumstances and reports of giant creatures, but the doctor is confident he knows what is going on. The brigadier encounters the baker on his way to the Devil's End, and he realizes there is a barrier around the town that will burst anything into flames. The doctor and Joe go to the barrow, and he is about to explain what is going on when one of the gargoyles appears and attacks them. I'd like to just take a moment to really just emphasize how kind of really fucked up it is first of all benton and yates there was a match on so they were watching they were watching football that's for all you british listeners <laughs> and they were like oh shit we we missed the we missed the dig site thing so they switched over to they switched the channel <laughs> and they switched to it and they're just filming joe crying over the doctor's body and i'm like dude is there a camera person there just Filming this young woman crying over a couple of corpses? Like, fucking help them. (laughs) The producer's off to the side going, keep rolling. (laughs) This'll be great for ratings. (laughs) (laughs) But I I just imagine Ben Yates, like, flipping over to that and then seeing the Dr. Dead and Joe crying and being like, well, we're probably going to get fired for this. (laughs) So, we may as well go back to watching sports. (laughs) Click back. And then Yates... Tells Benton, call BBC and see if you can find out what's going on down there. And I really wanted him to just 
give Benton that order and then sit back down, put his feet back up, and then switch back up, switch the TV <laughs> back on and just watch some more sports. <laughs> Benton and Yates don't go down to Devil's End at first because they think that they might get a phone call from uh, BBC or from the Brigadier or whatever. Are they the only two soldiers in unit? Is there no <laughs> one else that they can just, like, sit here and wait for the phone call? Like... Are they the only guys there? Like, we see other soldiers running around in the background. Are they mute and deaf, or...? (laughs) And keep in mind, they don't want to call the Brigadier because he's at, like, a party or something. Yeah, he's, like, at a charity gala or something like that. So, you know, important things like the doctor being dead. You don't want to interrupt him. (laughs) I... He doesn't like it when we interrupt his his him time. You know, I don't I don't want to bother him. <laughs> He'll come back in on Monday and we'll just we'll talk about what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about the episode at large, these types of episodes where the doctor is unconscious or by and large out for huge chunks of the episode really continues to remind me that I do not care about the supporting cast almost ever. Because <laughs> mm. this episode is largely about Yates and Benton, and Joe without the Doctor, and a bunch of other people. I'm like, I don't really care. <laughs> uh, bring the Doctor back. Let him be smug. Yeah. And he's not unconscious for the whole episode, but enough for me to miss him. I'll let you in on a little secret. As we've been going, uh, I've also been ranking the companions. Not sure if we're actually going to be doing anything with that, but uh, just for fun, I've been ranking the companions. And I did have Joe near the top of the list because I remember really, really liking Joe. This was the story that kind of made me drop her down a couple of positions because I'm like, is she not as good as I remember? I'm not sure. She's got, she, she's turning into a bit of a one trick pony and her one trick being leaving when everyone tells her not to. Yeah. Which is, you know. Which is cool. Yeah, cool. But also the only thing she does. Yes. But uh, eventually, I, I guess they hired a guy so they could, they could uh, stay at the phone. Eventually, Bates... <laughs> Bates. That's that's the ship name, Bates. Benton and Yates go in a helicopter to Devil's End. And um, uh, three things. When they're in the helicopter, they look down and they see, like, giant hoof marks walking across the countryside. And so they, they get down... And uh, investigate. And then the hoof marks are so much smaller close up. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Two, Benton and Yates are not in uniform. They're like in casual wear. I'm not entirely sure why they changed into civvies before they came over here. And three, why is Yates so stylin'? In his civilian clothes. <laughs> he looks fucking good in his brown suit. He's got that drip. He's got that, he's got like a brown suit and like a tannish turtleneck. And I'm like, you look good. He's got that, I think it's the Riz, as the Gen Zers call it. <laughs> and now I'm officially out of touch with the, today's youth. <laughs> you can always tell you're out of touch with today's youth when you start referring to them as today's youth. <laughs> we're not old you're too young <laughs> stop being so young <laughs> Caleb I'm going to be turning 30 in 9 days I don't like I've it I've been 30 for almost a year fuck you <laughs> so then you know it sucks 
and then I hate to like yada 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 the plot, but I do. But like yada yada yada, plot happens, and Benton goes to like scout out the area or something, and he passes by the church and hears someone like struggling or screaming or whatever, and he goes into the church and then just like opens up a trunk, and there's Hawthorne, seemingly not bound by anything other than just like ropes at her wrist. She was, she was clearly wasn't gagged. She was able to shout for help. And I'm like, why did you just put her in a box? A, this very old church has got to have some sort of dungeon cell. B, if you're going to just put her in the box, why not like actually like bind and gag her? And C, just kill her. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're finally on my side, Mac. Of just kill them. I don't understand this need to not kill your enemies. Yeah, like if it's the good guys not killing somebody, I get it. But like the master is supposed to be like the ultimate evil. Is he not willing to just like execution style just like bang? I don't get it. Or hell, later apparently he needs some sort of sacrifice. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why he didn't kill her. Because he was planning on using her as a sacrifice. Maybe. I don't know. I'm going to accept that as canon. Just otherwise, it's just really dumb. <laughs> the fact that she's not gagged is definitely dumb. Maybe they were just like, mm, like we don't want to kill a bunch of people in this episode. Despite the fact that like half the fucking cast gets killed in this story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, including people literally just being phased out of existence. <laughs> uh, Hawthorne and Benton go down into the dungeon and they get ambushed. And I forget what the actor's name who plays Benton, but he, by Doctor Who standards, he wasn't bad in terms of like a fight. Because at one point I was like, hell yeah, Benton kick his ass. I don't know if that's the actor or something, but like, again, I cannot emphasize this enough. By Doctor Who standards. Yeah. Fight wasn't bad. Uh, there was a couple of fights in this. And I was like, this isn't the worst choreographed thing I've seen in this show. There's one fight later on, I think it's episode four, where I'm like, that actually wasn't half bad. That was almost college level fight class. <laughs> yeah. We just posted the Inferno and I was re-listening to that. And I, I recall the fights in that being really bad i also recall the fights in uh colony in space being particularly bad so like it maybe it's just because we're coming off of colony in space but i don't know i i would like i want to call it out anytime the fights are pretty decent because we're yeah. always constantly talking shit about the fights and like it, it's it, it only seems worse now because the show seems to be more action oriented now mm -hmm. and it's executes almost all of the action terribly but after benton <laughs> drop kicks a cultist in the face he then like walks over to this like tile on the floor and is just like like shaken and uh like convulses and falls on the floor and it's because of like some weird psionic barrier thing that's how it's explained later but i was like please let benton be possessed by the devil Please let Benton be possessed by the devil. <laughs> no such luck, but it would have been great. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Not enough demon possession in this demon story. <laughs> it kind of becomes a running joke in the early parts of this story where, like, the doctor 
knows what's going on, but either won't say it or keeps getting interrupted before he can explain, no, it's not the actual devil. Because <laughs> Joe's yep. like, you mean you know what caused it? And Doctor says, yes, I think so. And Yates says, well, tell us then. And then he says he won't, not until he proves something. And I'm like, you just want it to be dramatically convenient. You're just <laughs> waiting. You're such an extra bitch. <laughs> Listen, a man wearing that fucking velvety velour <laughs> overcoat is not anything but overdramatic. I mean, you're not. You're not wrong. <laughs> or, alternatively, he just wants to make it look like he does. And then when he actually, when they all discover what this is, he'll be like, oh yeah, I knew that the whole time. Yeah, of course. Which, if nothing else, definitely seems like a move that would be pulled by the first Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just imagine watching the TV broadcast and be like, oh, I got a medal on this. This looks like fun for a day. <laughs> I've got nothing else to do on a Wednesday afternoon. Let's go deal with the devil. I, I think it would have been an interesting arc if, like, the whole time everyone was like, the do- they're like, Doctor, this isn't anything but magic. And he doesn't have anything, like, really against it to argue. He's like, no, no, it can't be magic. It can't be. And the whole time he's denying it. And then right at the end, he's like, aha, see, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then Hawthorne meets up with the main group and, um... That's when she says that his name is uh, Matt is Magister, <laughs> and the doctor just turns to Joe and says, "and says it's Latin for master." And I'm like, "Again, <laughs> dude, come on! It's not clever." <laughs> if this is the level of villainy that we're dealing with here in the doctor who universe i could be professor moriarty and just be like a criminal consultant <laughs> like okay <laughs> you've got a solid skeleton here we're going to flesh it out a little bit and maybe uh sand off a couple edges but i think this might work <laughs> this is a good first draft <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> and then the brigadier gets in contact with with the group and i just love how they now he just like recaps everything that's happened in the story so far and it almost feels has like this air of indignant i turn around for five minutes (laughs) and you people are fucking dealing with the devil (laughs) and then he's going to the barrow and i noticed that this is the first time that the doctor doesn't actually sideline Joe, but instead asks her if she would prefer to uh, wait here or come with him. And I want to say that that's a sign that he's starting to build a trust in her. Let's see if that remains consistent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the case. I think it was more of like, hmm, I want to go prove this. But I can't really do it if I can't be condescending to someone the whole time. I can't monologue to myself. What's the point? Because he drags Joe along. And he's like, now what's that thing in the floor? And she's like, I don't know, some kind of rock? And, she, and he's like, well, pick it up then. If it's a rock, pick it up. <laughs> pick it up. Yeah. And then it weighs like 7.5 tons. Yeah, she's like, I can't pick it up. And he's like, oh, did you notice the shape? Did you notice the shape is the same as the room? <laughs> Yeah, spoiler, I guess. I don't know. There's a line that the 11th Doctor says that I think that a lot of people were like, hmm, that feels very out of character for the Doctor. I'm like, that's the most in-character thing I've ever heard about the Doctor. Um, Because his companions are off 
talking to each other while he's doing TARDIS stuff. And then he, like, pokes his head in and says, Hey, if you're not all going to stand around and marvel about how brilliant I am, what is the point of having you all here? And then he goes back to the TARDIS. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, yep, that's the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very much the vibe of this scene. (laughs) Basically. And then a fucking putty from Power Rangers pops in. But I... I've been assured that it is a very scary gargoyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, when, I, uh, when I was watching, I guess at this point, I was like, Kyle, you have to see this. <laughs> Don't, no, no, believe me, believe me. It's really scary. You'll have to trust me on this. <laughs> and it has, like, the most fucking over-designed, po- like, 8-bit Pokemon sound. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way of describing it. <laughs> it comes on screen, it's like... <laughs> yeah he it's like a dude in a gray leotard like gray full body suit and then like cool like monster hands monster hand gloves and then like monster feet like three like three toes that was clearly like slipped on over shoes because when he's running across the the hill and like lifts up his leg you can see the shoe underneath and then he's got like wings on his back and then he's got like a gargoyle mask on but the gargoyle has like its tongue sticking out which definitely takes away any sort of intimidation factor it could potentially have because the whole time it's like <laughs> yeah it looks like it's like i don't know it's like sticking his tongue out here or like it's doing like a selfie face that's how i felt the whole time <laughs> yeah it definitely acts the same way that putties from Power Rangers do. Mm-hmm. And that's it. A very scary yeah. gargoyle attacks. Very scary. Ah, gargoyle. Ah. Ah. Episode three. <laughs> the doctor flashes a strange object and mutters an incantation. The gargoyle screeches and runs away. The doctor explains he was saying a Venusian lullaby. Why does everything that a doctor do Venusian? But the gargoyle thought he was doing magic and was scared by it. The master convinces a man named Winston Lee that he can control the forces he has summoned, and together they can rule the world. Hawthorne and the Doctor argue about whether these events are caused by the occult or science. The Doctor reveals that they are dealing with the Daemons from the planet Deimos. The Earth is a large experiment for them, and they will either get what they want from it or destroy it. The Doctor asks the Brigadier to bring a condenser unit from HQ. He says that he will meet them at the edge of the barrier to explain what he needs. As they head that way, two villagers hijack the helicopter and try to attack Joe and the Doctor. The two narrowly avoid the barrier, but the helicopter crashes into it, exploding. Joe is knocked unconscious when she falls out of Bessie. In the cavern, Azel appears before the Master, and the Time Lord begs the creature not to destroy him. So yeah, the Doctor and Joe get away from the gargoyle and then get back to the pub. And literally this exchange happens. The doctor says, right, if there are no more interruptions, I'll tell you what it is. And then Yates' radio goes off because the brigadier calls him. <laughs> and I'm like, I'd be frustrated with it if it wasn't such so clearly a running joke. <laughs> <laughs> and then the doctor just like busts out like a projector with slides that are basically just various pictures of demons and devils from various cultures. Like... Was that necessary? Did you have to bring out an entire uh, projector to just Microsoft PowerPoint? Hey, do you, you guys know that a lot of demon imagery has horns? It's true. <laughs> <laughs> I 
This scene is important because it's the first time I've heard Kylie laugh at something that happened in the show. Oh, yeah? Not laughing at it, but, <laughs> uh, but actually laughing at the line. Because after he's done with his little presentation about the horns and the demons and all that, I think it's Yates says, well, I still don't understand. And the doctor's like, because I haven't finished yet. Yeah, I have that written down too. <laughs> <laughs> and Kylie went... <laughs> That's high praise. Yeah, that is high praise. But yeah, but uh, the doctor, read a small castle. It's great. Yeah, so it's revealed that uh, the diamonds are basically just considering humanity as like one big scientific experiment to basically see what would happen. And I really like the idea of an alien species that's like helping humankind progress not out of goodwill or anything, but out of scientific curiosity to see what can happen. Have you read slash seen Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? I've read and seen parts of the movie. Okay. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy came out in 1978, but that's what the mice are. The mice from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy are just aliens that were basically using humankind as an experiment just to see what would happen. <laughs> so I'm just like... <laughs> There's the devil, and then there's mice. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time since I read that book. I just remember, thanks for all the fish. Yeah. What was I going to say? Uh, oh, I was going to make a snide comment about how the guy who wrote the Ancient Aliens Conspiracy watched this episode and was like, hey, they've got a point. <laughs> he just watched this episode and just came. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And had the most intense post-nut clarity of all time. <laughs> what is religion if not just one big post-nut clarity? <laughs> <laughs> now that's that's why I want clipped out of the show. <laughs> and then the brigadier is like, okay, we're going to try to like bomb this barrier to try and get through. We're going to we're going to military the fuck out of it and we're going to blast our way through. And then Joe, after they hang up with him, Joe says that uh, he's being too bullheaded and he can't think of anything other than just shooting at a problem when he can't even, when he can't solve it. And then the doctor chastises her for criticizing the brigadier, saying that he's just trying to help in his own way and he probably feels very helpless. I'm like, that is the most hypocritical i think i've ever seen the doctor <laughs> because you know that he was just about to say it he was just about to say the exact same thing but joe beat him by like a second that's what he's actually angry about <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say the doctor literally criticizes the brigadier for the same point every single episode. every episode that made me mad <laughs> <laughs> then the master again I have some notes. He, like, calls a town meeting to uh, discuss all of this and how, with the with the help of uh, the daemons, they'll be able to get everything they ever wanted, and all you have to do is just obey me in every single way, and you're all just dust beneath my feet and filthy little insects, so you should just shut up and take it and... Everything will be fine as long as you just mindlessly obey. And I'm like, Master, again, don't want to tell you how to do your job. Uh, 
if you're trying to get a group of people to go along with your plan, don't call them dust beneath your feet. <laughs> Throwing that out there. That's a freebie. That's just, that's a suggestion. <laughs> also, other note, Doctor or Master, you can mind control people. <laughs> Why are you holding this meeting at all? Also, you can mind control people. I think he forgets he can do that so- times except doesn't he do it to winston lee like earlier in this episode before the meeting yes he does <laughs> he like uses the mind control in order to call a town meeting and then doesn't actually use it to make the town do what he wants can you just do it once a day <laughs> what is what's your deal <laughs> i could buy like maybe his mind control power is limited like he can only can control a certain amount of people at a time but then you could just write in like, oh, but the demon presence makes him stronger, so he can mind control more people. It it's not that hard, you guys. Something, yeah. Listen, I've dealt with a lot of sci-fi. I know you can come up with convoluted fucking solutions to literally any problem. <laughs> and the master is convoluted, just not in the right it's way. Not in the right way. Come on, man. <laughs> and then the doctor and Joe are going to the town border to meet with the brigadier, and they're getting chased down by this helicopter. I was getting strong North by Northwest vibes from this helicopter chase. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought, too. It's just like, replace the airplane with a helicopter and replace running with a car. <laughs> <laughs> and I was watching the whole scene, I was like, this feels familiar. And then, like, they say that the helicopter is like, they're driving us towards the heat barrier. I'm like, okay. How, though? Like, other than the helicopter, like, threatening to crash into the car, I guess? I'm not entirely sure how the helicopter is, like, herding him towards the heat barrier. Couldn't he just, like, park? (laughs) Or go in a different direction? I'm not entirely sure. There's something more important to note there, Mac. Hmm. That's where they were going anyway. That is where they're going anyway, but I guess... They want to, like, make them go a couple of feet further and, like, actually hit the heat barrier. But, like, I don't know. And then the best part. The helicopter crashes into the heat barrier. <laughs> the helicopter crashes into the heat barrier. <laughs> because doesn't matter how controlled by the master this guy is, he doesn't know how to fly a helicopter. <laughs> That's what I think. I think they just got in and they just didn't know how to do it. All the almost hitting themselves, that was just an accident because they were trying not to crash. <laughs> and then the doctor is like shouts, hang tight, Joe. And he does like a Tokyo drift and uh, turns away. And she just goes fucking flying out of the car. I'm like, well, you didn't do a very good job of hanging tight, did you? <laughs> he comes up to Joe uh, unconscious on the ground. He's like, it's really your fault, dear. <laughs> I told you to hold on. He's like, you know, I have been meaning to install seatbelts. Haven't gotten around to it. Maybe this is my sign. <laughs> the good news, Bessie can honk on its own. It's true. Yes. We, we've gotten all the important stuff out of the way. Bessie can honk on its own and also paralyze people who touch it. Next is the seatbelt. I promise. Promise. No, no more shenanigans. Seatbelt. Then after that is when I'm throwing in the uh, oil slick. And then after that is when I'm adding in the blue shell. And then after that, I'm going to add airbags. Yeah, airbags. Then I'll do the airbags. And then, well, no, I'll hold off on the airbags because I need that little kite to help me sail over uh, 
gaps in the space. That's true. Like, it does need the kite. And then after that, I will need to do a mechanism where, like, the tires turn into, like, flotation device so I can go over water. Then I think the airbag after that. Yeah. (laughs) If I have room. If I have room. And then the doctor is, like, trying to explain to, like, the closest thing to a scientist that unit could scrounge up of how to build the thing that he wants to build. And they're saying, like, that's literally impossible. You cannot do that. And the doctor is like, due to the laws of thermodynamics, it should also be impossible for a bumblebee to fly. And I'm like, okay. This is still impossible, though. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Like, when you said that, I was like, doctor... That is not helpful. (laughs) I know that sounded clever in your head. (laughs) (laughs) It's important to note he spends basically almost the entirety of the next episode standing at the barrier telling the scientists how to build the machine. No, no, the other wire. The other wire. I swear to fucking God. (laughs) Actual the doctor's hell. And then in that episode, he says something, it's the second time I've noticed it, and I suppose it's the meme of the reverse the polarity. Yes, that is the doctor's signature catchphrase, is reverse the polarity, <laughs> which is weird, but I'm done. Yep, I'm done. Episode four. Azel's pissed, dude, and the master wants the demon to give him control of the earth. Azel says he will appear again when the master produces the doctor, and then he will decide the fate of the world. Jill sneaks out of bed and heads towards the cavern. The doctor tries to talk unit scientists through what he needs at the barrier. Yates realizes Joe is missing and goes to look for her. The doctor tries to return to the village, but disappears when one of the villagers tries to shoot him. The doctor stumbles onto a Beltane traditional dance and and is pinned to the ground by the participants and held at gunpoint. They intend to burn him like the witch he is. With the help of Benton and with some minor subterfuge, He convinces the villagers he's a wizard more powerful than the master. Joe tries to stop the master from summoning Azel, but she is too late. So, fun fact. The end of episode three is the only time in which the cliffhanger is the master being in peril. And then the start of episode four, the master is being loomed over by basically Satan. And uh, the master's solution of of defending himself is just like grabbing like a candle what would you call that it's not a candelabra no but it's like a big candle stick stand yeah it, it's like a it's like a uh you know you see them in churches and it's like a coat rack but with candles on it instead of like an actual <laughs> coat hooks um and he's just like get back get back and i'm like yeah that's gonna that's gonna fucking fend off the devil what's your opinion of azel obnoxious <laughs> Because at first I liked him because he just, like, didn't think the master was shit. But by the end of episode five, I was like, I hate this guy. (laughs) Yeah, fuck this guy. (laughs) I thought they had some clever camera tricks to, like, make him seem big. At least in this episode. Not so much the end of this episode and the next episode. But, like, because you can always see, like, you're, like, seeing through his legs. Yeah. Which makes him seem really big. I was like, that's kind of clever. Uh, his voice is the most obnoxious thing about this entire story. It's not very demonish, and I don't know if that was yeah. intentional or not. It it definitely seemed like someone who does not sound like the devil at all. But we need someone to do voiceover, and you're available. Can you record something for us, and then we'll just and just like just try to do a really deep voice for us. 
Like, he's he sounds more like a like a mad wizard than he does a uh, yeah a demon. That's a good way of putting it. And then we cut over to the pub, and I do like how Joe is about to. Uh, she's like, "Oh man, I gotta go help," and she gets out of bed and goes down the stairs, opens up the door, and hears like Yates and Hawthorne Benton, and it's like, mm, "Those assholes are just gonna bench me again." So she just climbs out the window and runs across the roof. Yeah, <laughs> Joe has elevated from waiting for someone to tell her to tell her no to just assuming people are gonna tell her no. <laughs> Joe is Joe is the epitome of it's easier to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. <laughs> this is a loose cannon at this point. <laughs> uh, and then we cut over to uh, the border where uh, the doctor is trying to give instructions on how to do the thing, and the scientist i guess the one who has a a a minor in computer science i think is probably the closest they have to a a backup scientist and um he's giving him instructions and he's like i can't do that and the brigadier says just listen to the doctor he knows what he's doing and then they all like go to work and there's just a pause and the brigadier looks over and says do you know what you're doing (laughs) and the doctor (laughs) says oh my dear chap i can't wait to find out (laughs) That doesn't make me feel any better, Doctor. <laughs> okay, okay. So, I have mixed feelings about Azel, Azel, whatever. But he has one line I fucking love. Because the Master is, like, demanding his power and demanding the ability to rule over the Earth and to destroy the Doctor um, and how you can't kill me. <laughs> and Azel says, I am not your slave and you are not immortal. And I'm like, that's such a fucking metal line. It can only come from the devil himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish Azel was more devilly. Wish he did more devil stuff. Yeah, this devil's not devilly enough. Can he be more devilly? He's about as devilly as a deviled egg. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> Azal says that uh, his race destroys failures, and to remember remember what they did to Atlantis. And I'm like, well, you didn't do a very good job of it, did you? The doctor was there in his last yeah. incarnation, and he destroyed more of Atlantis than you did. <laughs> Man, would that have been great to bring up? <laughs> yeah, because like, he said that, I was like, hmm, I don't remember demons in the Atlantis episode. <laughs> I really don't have much to say about this episode. At this point, I'm kind of like, can we just get to the devil confrontation already? I feel like it's just dragging out at this point. Yeah. Surprise, the story should have been four episodes. Yeah. It's not as egregious as like a seven parter should have been four episodes, but yeah, this this yeah. five parter should have been four episodes. Joe goes down into the church's basement, which they call the cavern. And when they said the cavern, I could have sworn they were talking about the devil's hump, the burrow. Yeah. That, that, that's what I thought, too. I guess the cavern is the dungeon underneath the church, but I don't remember anyone referring to it as the cavern. Whatever. Not important. She sees the statue and yells. I'm like, it's a... I guess it did accost you earlier, but again, it's a statue and it has its tongue sticking out. I don't know. And then to get her to shut up, Yates, like, comes up behind her and puts his hand over her mouth. I'm like, there's gotta, there's gotta be a better way. <laughs> Of getting her attention than doing that move, please. Just say her name. She's already yelling. You can't be louder. Just say her name. Like, 
yeah, she's jumpy right now. I'm sure she'll probably yelp when you say her name, but also, fucking don't come up behind her and put your hand over her mouth. That's, if for no other reason, Yates, that's how you get a bit hand. (laughs) (laughs) I promise you it's worse. I promise you what you're doing is worse. You could do literally anything else. There are several reasons why you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. But for you personally, let's use the bit hand reason. That sounds like a good reason, right? (laughs) (laughs) Then I say Stormtrooper Cultist. I think it's because he tries to shoot at Joe and Yates and just misses every time. No. No, 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 no. He's shooting at the doctor. He was shooting at the doctor. Yeah, he was. doctor was driving along back to the village and was like, had a rifle and was like, kept shooting at the doctor. And like, like, he gets out of his car and starts running. And he still can't hit him. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, they're just villagers. They're not trained military dudes. Grant, unit doesn't shoot any better. But <laughs> it's true. When unit shot at the doctor, they just kind of grazed his skull and spearhead. <laughs> <laughs> Which counts as a hit, I suppose. This episode takes place on May Day. And retroactively, I wish that we had been able to record either the intro or this on May Day. I think that would have been fun. It's the 21st right now, so we missed it by a couple weeks, but still, that would have been nice. <laughs> yeah, that would have been nice. Too bad we're incompetent. Yep. <laughs> Didn't think that far ahead. I'm hoping that one of the Christmas episodes in New Who will actually land on Christmas. That would make my podcast. It probably won't happen, though. <laughs> I'm not really sure what I disliked about that statement more. The idea of doing a Christmas episode on Christmas, or the fact that you said one of the Christmas episodes of the new Who. Don't worry about it. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. And then, like, they're be- I think they're beginning a ritual down in the basement, down in the dungeon, and Joe and Yates are still hiding down there. I'm like, how long have you been down there? It's been, like, an hour, right? <laughs> and then... The villagers tie the doctor up to the maypole, and I mean, it was obviously wasn't going to, but I really wanted it to turn into that scene from uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, <laughs> like suddenly they have to start <laughs> weighing the doctor to a duck. <laughs> I know that would have been great, but instead he uh, he convinces them he's an even more powerful wizard, which seems like more of a reason to burn him. Yeah, no kidding. they seem to be burning him because he's not magic and so in order to get them to stop burning him he has to prove that he's magic it does seem odd (laughs) and he like indicates towards the street light and the street light explodes and then it cuts over to benton and he has like a silenced pistol and he shot it from a window and then the doctor uh uh, indicates towards like a weather vane and Benton shoots that and it goes spinning and everybody's like, Oh, I'm like, once again, guns solve all of our problems. Also side note, give Benton a goddamn promotion. Dude's got sharpshooter aim with a pistol. God damn. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> and I was so happy I was so happy that he managed to make Bessie move on its own, and that's what convinced them to let him go. I was so worried that it was going to be like a Chekhov's gun type situation, and like they brought up the fact that Bessie's remote control now at the very top of this story and just never use it. 
I'm glad. That just seems like something that Doctor Who writers would do. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. Uh, It comes up twice, actually. It does. Good job, writers. Well done. Good job. You remembered something you wrote before. You've finally achieved the status of a B- in a creative writing high school class. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. We're so proud of you. Okay, I have a very important question. Does Joe know what they're trying to do with the ritual? She and Yates are hiding. Does she know what they're trying to do? I don't know why she would. They have not interacted with the Master literally at all. Okay, then that leaves one alternative. Because they were about to sacrifice a chicken. And Joe was so overcome with concern for the chicken... She busts out of her hiding place to stop the ritual. (laughs) I'm like, Joe, Joe, honey, it's a chicken. (laughs) Now, granted, Azel gets summoned anyway. Yeah. So what was the point of the chicken? I don't know. Azel gets summoned anyway with worst green screen? Yeah. Worst green screen. Worst green screen. It's kind of hilarious, actually. I recommend watching the summoning scene because it's hard to describe other than it's amazingly terrible. I recommend watching it just just to see how far we've come. <laughs> because Boy, it it's like it's like a guy like crouched down and then he like slowly comes back up and while he's coming up they like enlarge his image <laughs> over <laughs> over the uh over the footage and it's is is real bad. Yeah. Real not good. And uh, and that is where we leave off in episode four. All right, episode five. Tremors erupt through the town as Azel grows in height. The doctor gives a brief history lesson on Damon science, and they use negative emotions to create psychokinetic energy. The master wants to ma- be made ruler of the earth, but Azel demands to see the doctor first before making his decision. The villagers are scared away from the church. The Brigadier gets the Doctor's machine working, and it creates a large enough gap in the barrier for him and his men to get through. However, the machine explodes while it passes through the barrier. A fight breaks out between Unit and the Gargoyles. Azel is weakened by the temporary presence of the machine, and the Doctor decides that is the time to confront him. The Doctor confronts Azel and pleads with the demon to leave humanity alone. The science the creatures have provided is more of a threat to humanity than anything. Azel decides to give the Doctor control of the planet, but the Doctor refuses. He then decides to kill the Doctor and give the power to the Master. Joe steps between the Daemon and the Doctor and begs to give her life in exchange for his. This confuses Azel so much that he dies. The Master tries to get away, but is finally captured by Unit. The Doctor and Joe go to celebrate Beltane. Real talk, I was... I was enjoying this story for the most part up to this episode. We'll get to it when we get to it. The way they defeat Azel dropped it down several spots. <laughs> Agree. I am literally not exaggerating when I say that <laughs> Azel is so confused by Joe's sacrifice, he dies. Yeah, no, but we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. And <laughs> the Master has Joe and Yates captured, and then basically they prepare Joe very uncomfortably because they like take her away and then bring her back and she's wearing like a pure white dress i'm like who changed her (laughs) i don't (laughs) like that anyway she comes back and like he's clearly trying to hope for like a virgin sacrifice kind of thing to appease azel and 
I don't want to disappoint the master, but I should warn him that the only companions who get, have given off more of a I've definitely fucked vibes are Stephen, Polly, and Liz. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> you might be better off sacrificing Yates, is all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, if nothing else, we know that Stephen fucked that bear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, multiple times. Multiple times. That bear was crusty. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like a big scene where the doctor is arguing semantics in terms of what is magic and what is science, and it was annoying me. And the master is like telling Azel that he should give him his power because there's not one creature in the universe who is my superior. I'm like, asshole. You've lost at least four times to one person. You are as deluded as the rival in Pokemon Red and Blue. <laughs> they, so they, they, for lack of a better word, prepped Joe for being a sacrifice. But then um, just like tied up Yates, like tied his hands behind his back and then just kind of threw him on the ground. They didn't even close the fucking door. They don't need to. They got Azel. They didn't even close the door. They just tied his hands. And he, yeah, exactly what you think is going to happen happens. He immediately escapes. And, like, between this and the trunk, these guys really suck at keeping prisoners. They should work on that. And then I just enjoyed watching it for a while because I got about to the halfway point. I was like, I haven't taken a whole lot of notes. Oh, well. Yeah. This episode's not bad. This episode's actually probably one of the stronger ones of the thing. It. Until it unravels when the doctor confronts yeah, Hazel. It's it's pretty good, and then it just has a sharp fucking drop-off. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, we get some action, like the Brigadier and unit arrive, there's some shooting with the gargoyles. At one point, they just bust out a bazooka and blow one up. I was like, hell yeah. And then like reverses time or something, and it comes back together. Yeah, it just like, forms back together. I do like the Brigadier just having a moment where the gargoyle is just there, just like, whoop, 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 whoop. And <laughs> I just wanted him to just, like, stare at it for just, like, another minute and just be like, that is, without a doubt, the stupidest-looking thing I have ever fought, and I've fought yetis. <laughs> <laughs> that thing is stupid. Uh, go ahead and shoot it. I'm not crazy, right? Like, Azel was way more intimidating before we could see his face. Oh, yeah, 100%. He just looks like a really big Mr. Tumnus now. That's mm -hmm. all he looks like. When he was, like, this big, imposing figure and, like, so big and powerful, the camera can't even contain him. So, like, that that was really cool. Now it's just, like, cutting back to just, like, a dude in a weird... What looks like a mask one would wear if they were going to a Dionysus slash Pan orgy festival. <laughs> yeah and like when it first like zooms in on his face like it's zooming real close and his eyes are like pitch black i was waiting for them like flash red or something yeah. and then he just bears these little vampire fangs i was like oh okay then the doctor honestly has a pretty solid argument as to why azel should just leave and not do anything his argument is that why should you bother exerting the energy it would take to destroy humanity when humanity is perfectly capable of destroying itself all you have to do is leave and it's basically self-cleaning 
<laughs> we are the Roomba of the universe. <laughs> Uh, yeah, honestly, solid argument. Yeah, I have yeah. no notes. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then they just, like, keep shooting at the statue. Then they bust out that bazooka, which is good, because, like, at one point, I was like, why don't they just, like, use grenades or something? Surely. Surely they can blow it up. And then they do successfully blow it up with the bazooka, and it just reforms. I'm like, okay, but still, that's an even better argument for why you should, why you guys should stop wasting so much ammo right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then Azel is very, very wishy-washy. And this is the point where I stop liking him as a character because he's just like, I'm going to destroy the world. No, don't. Very well. Then I will give you all of my powers, Doctor. No, I don't want it. Very well. Then I will give you all of my powers, Master. Like, when just, like, it feels... A couple of minutes ago, he was just talking about how the master would be not worthy of his power. He's just like, Mm -hmm. well, I guess I'll give it to the silver medal. I don't know. He seemed very inconsistent with what he wanted. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. And then I really fucking hated him. (laughs) (laughs) Because I just have in quotation marks here, no, I've been defeated by the power of love. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, like, he's like, all right, or doctor, you're not going to take my powers. I guess I'll just kill you. And then Joe steps in. She's like, no, if you're going to kill him, kill me. And he's like, there is no data on this. And just fucking explodes. Yeah. He just explodes. He's just like, does not compute. Like, you're not a computer. You're. What? Why? You're telling me throughout human history that is actually literally no recorded instance by these demon aliens of one person sacrificing themselves for someone else. Not one. Yeah, it it was really fucking dumb. And again, like I was enjoying this story for the most part. And then that happened. And I was like, no, no. Look, I'm a big JRPG fan. Uh, my favorite trope in the world is defeating God with the power of friendship. That's not what this was. <laughs> this was dumb. Yeah. And then the doctor's like, yeah, yeah, Joe, Joe beat this, the, the, the devil with the power of friendship. Uh, let's go party. Yeah. Well, then, then, like, it's the church is, like, coming down and, like, it's shaking all over the place. And everybody evacuates the, uh, the church and the master manages to get away and like hop in Bessie and he starts driving away. And then everybody like starts shooting at him. And the doctor's like, no, 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 stop shooting. You might hurt. You might hit Bessie. (laughs) (laughs) Not Bessie. I love, I love (laughs) that's his priority. And then Bessie just turns around and brings him back. And we actually capture the master. Yep. I was like, Hey, they used it twice. Look at that. Good for them. Gone from B minus to B. And then they executed the master, and we never heard from him again. Never heard from him again. Anyway, I will say that the master's been the main villain for every episode in this season. It's now a new season, so thankfully, we're finally getting some different villains. (laughs) Oh, thank God. Did you go to trivia? Yeah, lay it on me. So, the shot of the exploding helicopter was actually an unused shot from the James Bond film From Russia With Love. It is also the exact same shot that was used when the helicopter blew up in Enemy of the World. Hmm. Yeah. Ah. 
So the area under the church is referred to as the cavern, as we as we talked about. It's never referred to as the crypt because the BBC higher ups told Barry Letts to do so to avoid offending religious sensibilities. And similarly, no mention of God was permitted to be made in the dialogue at all in case it was considered blasphemous, which was still a criminal offense at the time. Oh, (laughs) apparently references to the devil were fine. The devil debatable God off, Uh, off the table. Yeah. As I said before the chanting the master does is Mary had a little lamb backwards and they were planning on doing the Lord's prayer backwards, but BBC vetoed it. The BBC also received several, several complaints about the church being blown up at the end. They're like, I can't believe you blew up a church just for a stupid sci-fi show. Not realizing that it was a model that was blown up. (laughs) People seem to think that it was an actual church that was blown up. We said a couple times that this would have been better as a four-parter. It was apparently supposed to be a six-parter, but was cut down to five. Wow. Good for them. (laughs) We're making progress on the cuts. <laughs> episode two of the Diamonds is the 300th episode of Doctor Who. Wow. <laughs> I have watched 300 episodes of Doctor Who. So if anybody asks, hey, Caleb, do you watch Doctor Who? You could be like, I've watched over 300 episodes of Doctor Who. <laughs> and I'll say, oh, you're just getting started then. <laughs> <laughs> this is another one of the 10 episodes to not feature the TARDIS at all. This is the third one we've seen, the first two being the Silurians and Mind of Evil. When they go and, like, do the party at the end and uh, are celebrating uh, May Day, there's dialogue at the end where Yates asks the Brigadier if he'd like to dance, and the Brigadier says that uh, he'd rather have a pint, and then they both walk off to presumably the pub. Uh, That was ad-libbed by Richard Franklin and Nicholas Courtney. Uh The scene where they get lost on the way to Devil's End... And Joe is, like, trying to find out where they are, and she has the map upside down. That was inspired by an actual incident that happened with John Pertwee and Katie Manning when they were driving to a location shoot. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the reason why they did the win the thing (laughs) to make them get turned around. (laughs) Because they just, I guess they just wanted to make fun of Katie Manning some more. And that's trivia. So final thoughts. I don't hate this episode, but it's not quite a banger. Middling. Uh, But middling enough where it beats out, I feel like it beats out several of the other middling episodes. Yeah. Definitely better than Colony in Space. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Yeah, I'm looking at my rankings, and I still think that maybe the middle is... The smack dab is the best place for it, because it's better than Mind of Evil, but it's not as good as Spearhead in my current ranking, so... Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It, honestly, it might be above Spearhead if it wasn't for the dumb fucking way they they beat the villain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you can't accuse it of not being creative. There was a lot of unique ideas here, and the fact that Doctor Who versus the Devil is a pretty good one. Yeah, I, and I think that's what makes it stand out. Is like It's very distinctly different from other stories in this Doctor era. Yes, and I'm glad that this is the last episode with the master for a while because this felt like the master at his masteriest. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like this was a, a good note to end on where this was him at his peak. And now is the time we're like, okay, I'm done. When all else fails, summon the devil. (laughs) (laughs) 
I do like how the stakes were pretty high in this story, but um, they still managed to. Uh, this is a funny episode. Like they mm-hmm. managed to maintain like a good sense of humor. Mm-hmm. It was. It was a funny episode. The doctor had a lot of quips. Yeah. Everyone had a lot of quips, actually. Even the brigadier was funny half the time he was on. Screen. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> the 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 brigadier is usually like the straight man in any sort of comedic situation, but he still he was still managed to uh, make me chuckle a couple times. Well, that's it for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want to support us, the best thing you can do right now is give us five stars and tell your friends about us. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know, all the major podcast things. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Instagram now, at Quick Trip Podcast. You can also check out Mac's YouTube channel, Mac the Meh, where he does insightful videos about video games. And join us next time on a quick trip through space and time, in which we get to reunite with some old enemies in Day of the Daleks. Oh, no. (laughs) Remember how I said, oh, finally, the master's done, so we can finally start exploring some new villains. After the Daleks is when we can start exploring new villains. (laughs)